For the New York City AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. There's been a significant spike in the number of child labor violations in New York State over the past year. What are those violations and what is the state doing about the increase? Also, an examination of the gender wage gap. Have we made any progress? And what about the motherhood penalty? Is that still a thing? Joining me on the podcast is a very special guest today, the Commissioner of the Department of Labor, Roberta Reardon. Commissioner Reardon, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I love doing these podcasts with you. It's great. And this is the third one. Yes. I was taking a look. You were last um, with us in October of 21, um, but before that, you were the fourth one. The I know. The fourth podcast when we started. So. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So thank you for, for coming back on. So we wanted to talk about a couple of different things, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to start with uh, child labor law. Mm -hmm. uh, because I know um, people aren't aware of some of the protections that are out there for children, and this is really important. So maybe if we can start there, that there are a lot of laws on the books to protect younger people, younger workers. Can you remind us of what those are? So there are a number of them. It's very important that young people know that they need to have working papers, which their parents sign off on, and I think that goes through the school system because they need to be in school and working if that's their choice. The work part is their choice, not the school. <laughs> right. uh, there are hours th that they are allowed to work. They can't work excessive hours when they're in school. They can't work excessive hours anytime, actually. And there are industries that, they are that are considered dangerous, and they're not allowed to work in them. And it's things like construction, some kinds of manufacturing, uh, some uh, any kind you, anytime you have a dangerous machine, any kind of slicing, anything like that. Uh, it's an extensive list, and people should go on the website and look at them. And it's really done to make sure that young people are protected. Uh, a lot a lot of times they don't know that those are the protections that they need. And a lot of times, surprisingly, employers are not aware of the 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 width of these laws. You know, they they know they need working papers usually, and that's kind of the extent of it. But those laws are there for a reason. I just, you know, we just observed the 112th anniversary of the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. Right, right. 146 young women, and the youngest was 14 years old. One of them had brought her young son with her that day. They both perished. And it was a, it was a, a tragedy, but it was also avoidable. And these were young workers working in very difficult circumstances, surrounded by flammable material. The outside doors were locked. I mean, it was a terrible condition. Mm -hmm. But I always remember when I'm there that not only were these terrible preventable deaths, but they were young people that should have been protected by law, and they were not. And so those protections are there for the young people, but then also, as you pointed out, the businesses, so that they are, you know, doing this by the letter of the law. They have to be reminded, too, yes. of these protections. So there's been um, a spike in violations mm -hmm. for child labor law, like a significant spike. Yes. Yes, it's 68 percent over the last year, and um, we were really surprised. It's been incrementally inching up, but uh, 2022 was a really big year for violations. These are reported to us. So, and, and again, these are, the, these are the violations that are reported. That, mm -hmm. that means that there's more going on that we don't know about. And who's reporting them typically? Mostly this comes from workers' comp okay. um, because they, they, get all, they get a lot of the 
the workers' comp, mm-hmm. you know, cases. Right. But it comes sometimes from tips. I, you know, I always say those labor unions are one of our biggest allies in this area. Thank you for tipping us off about these kinds of conditions. And to anybody listening in the public, if you know that a young person is working in an unsafe condition or they're working without papers or that they're being trafficked, please t- give us the tip and we will follow up. It's anonymous. We don't say, you know, Roberta Reardon called to say this happened. Mm-hmm. What we want is the name of the person being abused and the employment so that we can go out and change that. And so why do you think there has been a spike? Because has it to do with anything with uh, migrant children working? So there are a couple of things that are happening. Um, the labor pool is very, very tight. Everywhere I go, employers say, I cannot find the workers that I need. Obvious pool of workers right out there. And a lot of young people want to have a part-time job, which is a good thing. We encourage young people to get a a summer job, a part-time job, because that gets you into your work life. That's a good thing for a young person to experience with limitations. So there's that. But also, yes, immigrant children, we know that there's been a huge increase in unaccompanied minors coming into the country. And a lot of them have made their way to New York City, to New York State. These young people come completely alone. They're teenagers. Oftentimes, they have to pay someone to sponsor them. Legally, they have to be in school. But realistically, they have to work. They have no one taking care of them. Mm -hmm. There was a New York Times uh, report about a month ago about this. It was an amazing story. It was nationwide. It wasn't just New York. After a New York Times investigation into the explosive growth of migrant child labor across the U.S., the Times found a major surge in child migrant labor in every state and under punishing working conditions on factory floors, inside slaughterhouses, and atop buildings. But they talked about these young people who are in school during the day and then they're working full eight-hour shifts at night cleaning restaurants, working in meat processing plants, mm-hmm. things that they're never allowed to do. And, you know, they, they really don't have a choice. They're actually being trafficked. And so that's really the immigrant children. It's, it's probably they're not understanding their rights, but also their parents yes. might not understand the protections we have, especially here in New York State. You mentioned uh, child labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? And then first, you know, what does that actually even mean? What is that? So trafficking means that you are somehow coerced into working for someone. That's the most easy way to explain it. If an employer holds your immigration papers or your green card or offers to get you a green card if you do X amount of work, that's trafficking. If they withhold part of your wages for because they're your sponsor, mm-hmm. that could also be trafficking. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's I'm going retur- to report you to ICE. If you don't do what I say, they underpay the wages and stop you from making the complaint. All of that is labor trafficking, and it happens to adults as well as children. There's a tremendous amount of labor trafficking around the world, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. but it happens in every state in the country, in, in this country. And it's, it's really tragic because it takes, it takes that worker's rights away from them. They are coerced. They are basically in some kind of bondage to that person. So we're talking about child labor violations and child labor trafficking. What Mm -hmm. is the state doing to address these issues? The governor jumped right on this, and I really have to thank her. I mean, she she's uh, an avid champion of all workers, but she loves children. You see it every day when she sees a little kid, she goes right to them. 
But she said, you know, this not in New York State. So she had us form the, the late Child Labor Task Governor Force. Kathy Hochul says there was a 68% spike in reports of child labor violations in 2022 in New York. In response, Hochul launched a task force that works with schools to make sure children, parents, and employers are aware of their rights. It a is DOL and 11 or 12 other state agencies, uh, Department of Education, uh, Homeland Security, uh, Department of uh, the Agency for Office of Children and Family Services. It's an expansive group of agencies. And we came together. We had our first meeting last week. And what we're going to do is every last Wednesday of every month, we'll have our official meeting. But we're coordinating all of our efforts and bringing all of our individual data together so that we can really look at what we have and make a, make a strong attack on this problem. Each of us has some kind of child regulation law. And together, we can really form a cohesive uh, attack on this. Mm -hmm. It is it is a difficult thing to attack. I mean, you think about a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 20-year-old. A 16-year-old or 15-year-old has more uh, labor law around them than the 18-year-old, and certainly the 20-year-old is pretty much free to work. Right. If you look at those three ages, you may not know how old those, those teenagers are. Mm -hmm. So you may not know that they're not actually being employed correctly. That's a good point, right. So it's, you can't do it visually. Mm -hmm. We are doing it in a lot of different ways. We have a very active social media campaign. We actually started in January, reaching out to young people in their language. We're on TikTok, Instagram, you know, uh, Facebook, obviously, and Twitter, and saying, you know, know your rights. We have videos that we've put out showing what your rights are. We're developing palm cards to give to teenagers that, and you know, two sides. These, these are your rights, and this is what you do when somebody's violating them. We're doing the same thing for employers to make sure that they understand their responsibilities. It's really critical that people, you know, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. If you know that something is wrong, it, it activates you to step in and do something about it. And again, young people, they're very, very vulnerable. And, uh, you know, you think about when you're 16 years old, you think, you know, you, you own the world. In yeah. many ways you do. But there are laws there to protect you from people abusing those rights. And so I also wanted to talk to you about the gender wage gap. Yes. I know there was a report out um, recently. Mm -hmm. You had done one a few years ago, I think, and the governor asked for, you know, an updated, probably after COVID, I would yes. imagine. To figure out what happened during this pandemic, how we solve for this, how we figure out how to get women back to where they were in an even a better place. And that's why I'm calling on Roberta Reardon once again to convene uh, a study of COVID-19's impact on New York's women. And it's going to be broad. We're going to peel back every dynamic. So what's the latest there? So the governor, uh, we did the 2018 report, and uh, it was very robust. We had, I think, over 40 recommendations. Many of them have been implemented, but many of them have not. So that's all there. It's on the website. But the governor came back to us and say, he said, okay, it's 2023. The pandemic had a huge impact on all workers. Let's look at what it did to women in the workforce, and let's look at it through the gender wage gap lens. So we went out and did a lot of work. We had public testimony in New York City and in Albany, which was really great. We'd spoke with experts, with advocates, with community leaders. We looked at it, all the data out there and put it into a report. Not surprising, the number one conversation in these rooms is childcare. Mm. So childcare providers closed, a lot of them. Right. Schools closed. Women were forced in many instances to go home to take care of their children because there was no other alternative. And if they were working remotely from home, they had two jobs. 
they had the paid job of remote work and they had the unpaid job of mothering and schooling these children. Mm -hmm. That was a tremendous burden. And some of those women have not returned to the workforce. The childcare situation is still not as robust as it was before the pandemic. Uh, we're working very hard. The governor is putting a lot of money in the budget into child care, supporting the workforce, as well as making sure that child care is available to more working parents. But the thing we know is that child care is not just a woman's issue. And it's not just a parent's issue. It is an economic issue. And I think the pandemic really exposed that because suddenly employers understood that they're not going to have the workforce they need if those people can't have adequate childcare, And that is part of the reason that some of those women who were sidelined during the pandemic have not come back to work. So what has that done to the actual wage gap then? Is it, has it closed at all for women? Well, the good news is the wage gap uh, did not widen during the pandemic. Okay. It actually closed a little bit. New York, is, New York State is number two in the country. All women earn 88 cents to a dollar for what white men earned the year before. But that is a deceptive figure because African-American women earn about 68 percent. Latina women earn about 63 percent. Wow, significantly Significantly different. And, you know, that when you look at it in that lens, we have a long way to go to make sure that everybody gets equal pay for equal work or, or fairly equal work. One thing I want to say here, thank you to the AFL-CIO and organized labor because you make sure that men and women earn the same amount for the same work, period, full stop. We are the equalizer. You are the equalizer. It doesn't matter who you are. And when people say, what can we do to to make this better? I said, organize. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that that gives workers the power to go to their employers and say, we won't stand for this. We respect our brothers and sisters, and you need to respect us equally. That is a huge, huge change for all workers. But we have, to, we have to be mindful. I mean, I remember growing up, and I grew up in the Midwest, people would talk about women's work mm-hmm. as opposed to men's work. And when I was a child and I grew up in a small town, people would talk about, well, you know, Nancy's looking for a job, but, but Joe has a family and he needs that job more. I'm like, what are we talking about? Right. So there's a lot, a lot left to do. The governor's very aware of this. Uh, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is, is indexing the minimum wage, obviously mm-hmm. really important. Women are overrepresented in low-wage jobs, and we want to make sure that you know, often they're single mothers. They need that income. Uh, pay transparency is a huge change. So I didn't even realize because I belonged to a union. My, my, my pay was public. It was in the contract. I didn't know that workers were not allowed to talk about their what they were paid for their job. Mm-hmm. And employers didn't have to tell you. And pay, they use that to their advantage. Yeah, because, right. you know, if you go in for a job and they're going to pay you X and you then later find out that the men are making Y, mm-hmm. you've already lost your advantage to make sure you're getting paid equally. Another thing that we've done that I'm really, really excited about is we have on our website and in our career centers how to negotiate your salary. So lots of people don't know how to negotiate for their salaries. They're not taught how to do Mm -hmm. it. So this is available on the website, or you can go into the Career Center and talk to somebody in person. It really helps you understand you have the right to negotiate over what you're going to be paid for your work, and you should do that. Pay transparency says people applying for this job will be making between X and Y. It's a band. Right. It's a salary range. Yes. So you know going in, 
you can actually look at it and go, well, I think I'm in the middle of this workforce. That's the middle of this band, mm -hmm. however you want to do it. But you should go in and ask for the salary that you need. That will really be a change that will help all women and, and all people, you know, negotiate for a very better salary. And, you know, if you, if you start lower at the beginning of your work life, you never catch up. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing we found out about women in the workforce. If women drop out of the workforce a couple of years for small children, when they come back, there's a lag of earning. They never make up that money. Is that the motherhood penalty? Yes, that is the so motherhood called. penalty. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's a terrible, terrible penalty. And we have paid family leave now. Mm -hmm. We always urge young men who are becoming fathers, take that time to bond with your child. That will pay off the rest of your life. It's there. It's a benefit. They can't deny it to you. And you should use it. Mm -hmm. Parents often, we talk to young parents, and they, you know, if they're both working, they figure out how to balance. I'm going to take these two weeks, then he's going to take these two weeks. And between you, you can figure out months of childcare. Right. And it's very, very impactful for the for the child. Yeah, and those early years are so important, so too, important. for them to both be home. If we can just get everybody to think in those terms and stop thinking the old way of doing things, that it's just yeah. the women, right? Well, we've covered a lot here. Um, thank you, Commissioner Reardon. I appreciate your uh, time. You mentioned the indexing and the minimum wage. You know, that's a big push on, on our part that we're trying to see, too. And uh, a lot of the other things that you covered here, all things that the uh, union movement is focusing on. So thank you again for being our guest. We appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for for your support for the DOL and for workers everywhere. Joining me on the podcast is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. There was a lot to unpack in this one, a lot of information from the commissioner. Yeah, you guys covered a lot of ground. Uh, one of the things she talked about is the, the child labor violations, and it's so important for parents to understand those rules and for employers to understand those rules. Yes, so important. We'll put a link in the show notes to spread awareness on that. Uh, some other interesting information I think she covered was um, the transparency and salaries. A lot of people are talking about this right now. This doesn't take place, take effect in New York State until September. Um, so you might be seeing wanted help wanted ads now where they don't have the range. Apparently, it's it's already in place in New York City, but not here in New York State. So we're going to see that soon. Yes, that's right. And the commissioner also mentioned um, a resource that they have on their website about how to negotiate your salary. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes so folks can access that. Yeah, I think that would be really helpful. That's that's not something that can maybe come naturally for people. Yeah, it's not something we're taught in school or anything like that. So it's uh, really helpful to have that resource. Great. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysafl-cio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.